Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Again, let me thank Pastors Ryan and Kimberly, such wonderful hosts, and this church. The ministry of helps here is awesome. The praise and worship, Leah, you can, you can go. All right, give Leah a hand clap. We'll bring Frank with us next time and give her a little relief, amen? Frank is my keyboard player, and he's, man, that guy can play for hours, man. He can go for it. But it takes time. You've got you to gotta, you gotta de- develop, that, develop that gifting. Nothing is more precious than God moving. Nothing is more precious. I'm so saddened that religion that talks about God but doesn't embrace his reality We've always said of our church, Island Church in Galveston, we want people to know God, but we also want people to experience Him. Amen? And did you know God wants you to experience Him? And the devil, listen, a couple of things you need to understand, because a lot of times we've gone to telling stories and talking about things that may be very negative, may may be very dark. But the reason is, is because something Dr. Lester Summerall said to me years ago, he said, if you don't understand the day you live in, then you'll fail to be effective in it. Listen, church, the darkness upon this world right now, a lot of Christians have just gone through the motions of living their life because there's still an an assemblance of the normal. What I mean by that is you can get up in the morning, all of us can, we can go either to our job, our ministry, our or our class, or whatever. We can put uh, petrol or gasoline in our cars. Uh, The restaurants are still open. There's still food in the grocery stores. And every one of us realize and recognize that these things are slowly, 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 slowly being depleted. Our nation, we're praying for revival in America. We have to have it. We don't just need it. We have to have it. We have to have it. We're crying out, we're praying, intercessory, all that we're doing for that. But in the midst of that, the moves of God that we have must be protected. Nothing grieves me more than to see somewhere where God was moving and He's not moving now. And listen, you can hear all the excuses and the one that's thrown up in my face all the time is this. Well, Rusty, you're just trying to repeat yesterday's move because God doesn't do that anymore. Well, we got in some meetings, one of them down in Mexico, another one in another place where I ministered, another place. And you know what it was? It was just this awesome outpouring of the Holy Ghost just like it used to be. (laughs) Yesterday's move, fine with me. You say, why? Because thousands, millions were saved. Thousands, millions were healed. Thousands, millions were set free. So listen, this is all I know. This is all we know is what we've experienced and what we know by the word of God. So it's worthy of protection. This is worthy of protection. You say, why? This is the move of God. This is the move of God. You see see all the, what would you call it? All of the evidence. The worship, the praise, the heart, the love. The different races of people joining together. Looks like heaven. Amen. Looks like heaven. That's the will of God. The word of God being expounded on and taught. Amen. Children being raised in the, in the admonition of God. That's the move of God. Now revival is a little bit something different. Revival is when God shifts into another gear 
and begins to literally put his hand on or his finger on a church, an area, a nation, whatever it may be, and just really without letting off, begins to pour out his glory, pour out his glory, pour out his glory, pour out his glory. Sometimes people grab it. They begin to go to church every night. We saw a revival in Houston, very unusual. Sort of been 19, probably 68 through about 72. There was a church there. It was an Episcopal church. And they were just an Episcopal church. That's all they were. And they knew nothing of faith. They didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost or healing or anything like that. But they loved, They were God's people. Amen. I said they were God's people. And they loved God. They loved God. So, so they were worshiping on a Sunday morning. And the glory of God fell in there. And it fell so profoundly, they didn't have a Sunday night. They came back on Sunday night. It fell again. So they came back on Monday night. It fell again. They came back on Tuesday night. It fell again. That went on for about two weeks because it was just the church. Then it started getting out in the community. Now, the, I went to the meetings. My parents took us to the meetings. They're very unusual because I was in meetings like this all my life where people would praise and worship God, receive an offering, teach and preach, minister. I mean, that's how it, not there. Uh-uh. That guy got up that was the, that was the minister. I forget, they might have even called him a father. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, uh, he would get up. And they would go back and start worshiping God, those songs that they sang. And the glory of God would fall. And people would get saved. How would they get saved? They would come up to the altar and kneel down, and, and different people would come up and just pray, pray a little prayer with them. People would just start, he got up, I saw God, just speak it and just get baptized in the Holy Ghost right there. And it went on week after week after week after week after week after week. Another church at the same time, at the same time. They had an evangelist in for a Sunday night service. His name was Brian Rudd. He was a son of an Assembly of God pastor in Canada. He became a heroin addict. He was a bank robber. He was in prison for bank robbery. And they had taken the fingerprints from another bank burglary that he had done. And they pretty much had him dead to right with his fingerprints. And God, he got right with God in the penitentiary, got right with God. He, he was doing like a 30-year sentence. He got right with God in the penitentiary, and God changed his fingerprints. And they checked his fingerprints against what they had, and they let him go. Well, he hit the ground running. So all he ever did was give his testimony of his drug addiction, of his life of crime. And you know, that church began to fill up, fill up. And it filled up with hippies and drug addicts. To the point that the revival got so profound that they were leaving two and three boxes full of drugs and drug paraphernalia on the altar. And my dad, my pops, was a lawyer. He had to negotiate with the narcotics team of the Houston Police Department so they wouldn't arrest anybody. And they'd come in every service and haul those boxes of drugs and drug paraphernalia off. Went on night after night. Same message, same service, night after night after night, after night, and thousands got saved, and the entire church got offended and left, and now the church today is all those hippies who are millionaires because God gave them business and blessed them, and now Evangelistic Temple is a rich church in Houston, Texas. Revival. Moves of God. It must be protected. And it's protected through our willingness to remain in a place of love 
not only toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to the world we're called to. Amen. I pray, you know, people look at some of these leaders in our world that are in the political realm. And I pray one of them gets saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't that be cool? If Emmanuel Macron got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and got up to speak to his nation, France, and instead of speaking French, he said, start speaking in tongues. Amen. But see, that's not, a, that's not out of the realm of impossibility because with God, nothing is impossible. We have to prepare ourselves for, for, for some outstanding interventions of God in these last days so that the church can be at peace, so that the church can have comfort, and so the church can get its job done. Now, if you will, turn, turn to Mark chapter 4. Let's begin in Mark chapter 4. We'll teach just for a few moments here this morning. Mark chapter 4. Let me get over there. Now we know, we, I think we looked at this one other time. This is called the parable of the sowers. Verse 13, let me read just for a moment. And he said, or Jesus said unto them, Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? Read that in other translations and you'll see that he's basically saying, Get this and you'll get the rest of them. You don't get this, you're not going to get anything. You know, God, Jesus was always revealing the secrets of the kingdom to men. See, the mystery of the kingdom is unveiled. In Christ. A lot of people, I've heard denominational preachers and others say, well, you know, it's just a mystery, it's a mystery. Yes, there are things about God that are a mystery, but in reality, He's given us enough information for us to be more than conquerors on the earth. Now, notice this. It says, uh, the sower soweth the word. Everybody say the word. Well, now that's, that's, that could be a multiple, how can I say this? A multiple event in your life. You say, what do you mean? Have the word sown, sow the word into your heart, read, study, meditate on the Bible, come to church, have the word of God taught and preached to you, which is the informational, inspirational level that Jesus talked about when he went about teaching, preaching, and healing, the teaching, information, preaching, inspiration, healing, demonstration. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, in understanding the sower soweth the word, be pliable to have the word sowed to you and through you. What comes to you, you assimilate. Oh, let me put it like this. You digest. You got to digest what you eat. If you don't digest what you eat, you're not going to be healthy. We had, a, we had a litter of puppies one time that I was going to feed with a, you know, a cake pan, a big, uh, what, 10 by 14 inch cake pan. So I put puppy chow in it and I put warm water on it, got it all soft, and I thought all those dogs would come around and just be real cute and wagging their tails and eating, you know, and uh, uh, they didn't. We had one big male, we named him Brutus, and he took off running. When he smelled that food, he put his nose in the air. He's about a four-week four week old Labrador puppy. He put his nose in the air, and he took off, and like they do, you know those pictures you see where they dive off of a pier or something like that, big stance. He dove and landed right in the middle of that pan full of puppy chow. And there was puppy chow everywhere. It was all over the walls. It was all over. And all those other, how many other? Tw 11 other puppies followed suit. And they were just rolling and having the best time and wagging. And every once in a while, I wanted to eat a piece here. And a, but for the most part, they didn't eat the food. They got it all over them. <laughs> Amen. 
Well, see, church is like that sometimes. You come in and the glory of God moves and the Spirit of God moves and you can tell you've been in church, you've got glory all over you, but it's not really how much glory you get on you, it's how much you get in you that's going to put you over. That's why it pays to have a hearing ear. Sow the Word two ways. Sow it, have it sown. Sow it, have it sown. Let there be a continual flow of the seed of God in your life, in and out. Amen? And then notice what it says here. It says, and these are they... And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard. Now notice that word heard. It's always been interesting to me that no one's listening in this parable. Everybody's hearing. That means faith is coming to them. But notice this. Satan immediately, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Well, I tell you, you see the, the real word of God? Bump up against religion and people get angry. I was preaching over up in Dublin at Westland Row, and that was a, you, you that went to that uh, uh, up to some of them conferences. Remember that church? The pulpit was like here, and then here's the here's the congregation. But then they had a, a set of stairs that went up and out the door, and that was the the one exit out. So I'm preaching one time. And man, this guy got up and he starts cussing me and he comes all the way up and all the way up to that and all the way up. And when he, when he shut the door, I hollered, be blessed. Then I turned, to the, I turned to the crowd and said, the Bible says to bless them that curse. Man, the glory of God fell in that place. But my heart went out to that man. I went back to my hotel room thinking about that man. The devil stole the seed from him. Stole it from him. Amen. I trust he got it somewhere else. Amen. But now I want to look at this next one. It says, and these are those, are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard, there's that word heard again, who when they have heard, so a spiritual working is going on, the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure for a time Afterward, when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, immediately, they are offended. They are violated. They are victimized. Or they are caused to stumble or fall from the word. By the word of God. Now, I know many times the fault lays in the ministry. Because we don't expound enough. We don't, a lot of times we don't tell the experiences. A lot of times... You know, we don't go into, I've listened to a lot of the, 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 uh, a lot of the big preachers of the last generation tell stories from the pulpit. And then down in the green room, they tell it another way about all the trauma that was connected to it. About what they went through to get to that, to that place where they received from God. And one of them I told one time, I said, why don't you teach us that? We need to know that. We don't need to know you got it. We, don't need, we need to know how you got to it. That's what we need to know. Because the enemy's always going to try to come into your life and steal the Word of God that is fixing to produce in your life, especially if you've not allowed the ground of your heart to become fertile like it should be. If there's still some of the stones of the old life, some of the stones of, of something else that, that you may be involved in now, or whatever it may be that might be stones in your soil, you're the one with the responsibility to get it out. You say, what could a stone be? Anything that hinders growth. Anything that hinders growth. Amen. I've said this about the rapture of the church for years. Before we go up, we're going to have to grow up. We're going to have to grow up. 
But now notice it says here, it says, and they have no root, root in themselves. Well, now, now, now we're talking agriculturally here. You can't take the root system out of any plant and expect anything. The fruit on the, the, fruit on the, on the tree will die if you cut the root system out. The fruit on the tree will not grow if you cut the root system out. But it says they have no what? They have no root or they don't have a system in them that is producing growth. Now that's very easily explained, very easily expounded upon. Uh, Pastor Jason, uh, 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 Pastor Ron, uh, uh, Brother Josh, uh, uh, both, both Keith and Sarah, uh, 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 some of you others I know, you can, you can get up, you can teach the Word and you bring it up out of the garden of your own life. It's the fruit of what you believe in God for, what you've been believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. I mean, it might not be scripture and verse of what you're going through or what you're doing, but it is the fruit out of my life at Island Church, Galveston. When I get up on Sunday morning and teach the Word of God, I'm picking out of my garden and I'm giving that fruit to Island Church. Yes, amen. amen? Now, I'm not doing it so they can just sit there and let, you know, good juice run down their face while they eat. Amen? I'm giving them that fruit to eat. To eat. You say, why? If they'll eat it, they'll get the seed of it in it. If they'll hear it, let it digest, begin to act upon it, begin to speak it, then you won't get offended at the Word. So many people get offended at the Word. I've had to explain to people. I, you know, they come come up to me after service, start chewing me out. And I said, no, wait a second, I did that. And you said, and you said. I said, wait a second, look over here, let's, look, let's read this. Sometime, one time, I had them read the scripture. I said, did I say that? You did say that. I said, who said it first? <laughs> Amen. No root in themselves. I used to give an illustration in teaching on faith in Bible school about the, the great gold rush of 1848 in, in California. And, uh, you know, a lot of people went out there. A lot of people. I mean, the East side of the United States, went west. Go west, young man. You know, that was, what was it? Horace Greeley, the newspaper editor. Go west, young man. So they went out there and panned for gold. And most, the majority of all the gold prospectors never got rich. They never got anything. They went out there, they got a pan, and they got a, you know, a mule, and some provisions to eat while they camped by the river, and they got enough gold nuggets to go into town, and to get some feed for the mule and some food for themselves and maybe some more bullets for the gun or whatever they needed. And they lived their life on nuggets and died. Two families were not satisfied with that. They actually, many of the mining things that, 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 that helped the United States and other nations really enter into mining came out of that gold rush with these two families. They learned how to mine and they took the top off of a hill and found that main vein of gold. And it changed the destiny and life of those two families forever. Forever. But they had to, they had to dig it. They had to mine it. See, church is your opportunity to receive some nuggets. To eat the fruit out of Pastor Jason, Pastor Ryan, whoever's teaching you're eating that fruit. But there's seed in that fruit. There's seed in that fruit the devil don't want you to have. He doesn't want that seed going into the good soil of your heart. He doesn't want that seed reproducing 30, 60, or 100 fold. He hates it because he knows that the protocol of God is seed time and harvest. And the good soil of the believer's heart doesn't need to be a place of offense on the inside of them where every time the word challenges your character, you get offended. We'll, we'll touch on that a more in a minute. It'll help you. Now, 
With that in mind, go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter, excuse me, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. Now, I, I, was, I never really heard anybody teach on this. And I was digging around in these these offense doctrines back when, when I was young in the ministry because I was alarmed, man. I freaked out when I first went in the ministry. I'd go to churches. And of course, I was a guest. You know, I wasn't the, wasn't the pastor. Many of the pastors are still good friends of mine to this day. And I'd go there one year and people get blessed. You know, after you go to a church two or three times, you start kind of get familiar with the people that go there. And so I, I, I'd, I'd come back to churches sometimes and, and there'd be two or three families missing. So where are they at? Oh, they got offended. What does that mean? I didn't even know what it meant. And so I'd go, you know, and then I started really getting involved in a, in a, in a, in a church scene, a little church I began to go to where I met Leah. That's where God had my provision. It, it had 20 people in it, met in a funeral home. And we spent 15 years there. It grew from 20 people to 3,500. And we learned a whole lot. But we learned two things. That the move of God is so valuable it needs to be protected at any cost. And the last message I preached in that church, in the camp meeting of 2000, I preached a message, not out of these scriptures, but I preached a message called protecting the move of God and plead with the crowd. Protect what you have. Keep what you have, but grow into something greater. Man, the glory of God fell in that place. It was unbelievable. Matthew 11. I studied this. I was like, how can this happen? How can this happen? Now let's read just for a moment. We'll get it. It says, It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his disciples, his 12 disciples, he departed from this to teach and preach in the cities. It says, Now when he had heard in the prison, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Now Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. Those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And, so that's connected to the other, chapter, the other, the other verse. And blessed, everybody say blessed. That's the word empowered. Is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, I know a lot of preachers that won't even go near the subject of offense. I had one preacher tell me, you preach on offense, your church will get offended. I said, if you don't, they will. Because if they don't know what it is, they won't know how to resist it. Hey, man, let me just say this. Don't get, you know, don't take this any other way, but how I say it. I was attacked with COVID probably the second week after COVID was, you know, when they started talking about it. Lee and I both. And we fought it off. We stood. It, it, it attacked me three times. First time, what was it? So we about three days on me that it took me to get that junk off of me. Second time, it took less than a day. Third time, it took a few hours. You say, why? Because I resisted it. Soon as I felt that symptom watch over me, I'm like, oh, no. I have a routine when I feel symptoms. I'll go get in my bed, and I'll pull my covers up, and I just start, I just start speaking healing scriptures and worshiping God until I fall asleep. Then I check myself to see if I have any symptoms. If they're still there, I just start speaking healing scriptures and worshiping God until I fall asleep. Then I check myself, and I just keep doing it, keep doing it, until I can get out of bed. Start walking around. Now I'm walking around. Well, I can start standing up and praising Him and worshiping Him. I mean, I fight it. 
I resisted everything. I had malaria one time. I had to fight it literally for four months until healing manifested. But I fought it. I stayed with it. And I didn't get offended at how God was doing it. Why did you leave me sick for four months? Because I was fighting in a fight of faith. Amen. So many, ministers included, get offended at the way God chooses to do things. Now we're talking about John the Baptist. If we had time, we'd go to Matthew chapter 3 and show you why he was of God. He was foretold, this is the one, the voice crying in the wilderness, saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then the Bible says, then came out to him Jerusalem, Judea, all the region round about. That was and still is the most religious place in the world. So people were coming out of the religion, they were coming out of their tradition, and they were coming to John the Baptist and being baptized in the river and coming up and confessing their sins. Amen? Well, this guy's being used of God. Jesus said of him, of all the prophets that ever lived, there's none greater than John the Baptist. So in reading this scripture, I remember the first time I started studying, when it says, now when John had heard in the prison, I shouted this, John, what are you doing in the prison? What are you doing in the prison? We know what happened to him in the prison. Do you know? He was executed, beheaded. Do you think that's the will of God? God doesn't kill, steal, or destroy Jesus is actually on the earth and he's out, he's out there saying things like this. I've come that you might have life. I've come that you might have it more abundantly. But now John's in the prison. But now notice this. Notice what he does. Notice this is so interesting. It says, now when John had heard in the prison, in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of the disciples and said unto him, art, art thou he that should come or, we, or do we look for another? Now, if I was in jail with John, and John said that to me, you think he's the Christ? You think he's the Messiah? Should we look? I would say, John, you've been preaching to us for three years. And when he came on the scene, you pointed to him and said, there he is. The one whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. I baptize with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Well, man, that you'd have thought revival's on. That's John doing it. Now he's in the prison. Now look, look very closely, very closely at what he's doing. The revelation of he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's here was his identity in ministry. Now he's questioning, are you he that should come? Or do we look for another? Offense blinds you to the Spirit. Now listen to me. The Holy Ghost in your life will guard your eyes from the natural. Let God be God. Let God do things the way He desires. The greatest deliverance of your life is not a deliverance from some foreign substance. It's the deliverance from the attitude that you have of calling all the shots and you being God and then when you get yourself in trouble, you want to be bailed out by the God. When it's better, just let God be God and you be a sheep. Everybody say, bah. Well, that takes all the pressure off of you and gives you faith in God. John the Baptist, Jesus identified his condition 
as being offended. Now, I'll tell you something. I've had so many, there's no way I could tell you of all the wonderful things God's done in my life. But I can't think of one of them that he ever did it the way I thought he would. How, when, where, I mean, he just, listen to this. God always does things in your life in such a way that when he's finished, you don't have any question in your mind, you know, that's God. On that journey of faith, that life of faith, your adversary, the devil, wants to do everything he can do to derail you. He don't want you coming to church on Sunday morning. He don't want you coming to any conference. He don't want you reading the Bible. He wants you dead. And his resistance against you in this time in history is the strongest that it's ever been on any Christians on the planet, the face of the earth. Now let me tell you why. Two reasons. You've got a, a being, a created being, how many created beings do we have? I was just trying to see if any angels were in here. You that are raising your hand, you're wrong. You're not created. No, no. You came from the creator, but you were procreated. Adam and Eve were created. All of the angels were created. Lucifer was created. He's a created being. So he lives in the realm of eternity and has access to the realm of the natural. The natural is very intimidated to spirit beings who live in the realm of eternity if they're under judgment which they are of the ju under judgment because Jesus said when he died on the cross, now is the prince of this world judged. Punishment will be given to him, but now is he judged. Amen? So you've got to understand this guy who's used to never having to deal with time, time is running out. Clock is ticking. He knows that. He's unleashed hell upon this earth. Secondly, now consider this for a moment. Y'all know very well the demonic theory of evolution. You know, from the goo to the zoo to you. <laughs> hey Amen. I like what an old preacher said years ago. He said, that's about as prob probable as a, as a tornado hitting a, hitting, a, hitting a junkyard and a 737 popping out, airplane. But I believe in evolution in reverse. I believe that man stands now 6,000 years after creation upon the earth in the greatest position of weakness that he's ever stood. Iniquity has had 6,000 years to mastate like a cancer inside of the human experience. Sin is everywhere. There is such, how can you say this, a dynamic of sin in the world where we have people proclaiming that darkness is light, that good is bad, Amen? You name every opposite that you can think of and the world and the human family has entered into it. We as a species are at our weakest point that we've ever been. And that's when God is going to take the species at His weakest point and do His greatest work in them. Amen? Amen? It's taken 6,000 years for man to go from the presence of God to the animal he is today. And a man that's unrestrained in his iniquity is a danger to everybody. Danger to everybody. So we must realize those two negative things are greatly compensated for through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. And we're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. One more thing, real quick. Go to, go to, go to 1 Corinthians 11. Ah, this is where I like to get around, dig around, make people mad, offend them. 
1 Corinthians 13. I made some notes. I don't usually preach on notes. I, I'm not a good note preacher. But I made some notes, so I might read some of them here. Actually, I wrote this several months ago, something else I was doing, but I thought it was good. I was digging around, and I thought, I'll bring these with me. Here we go. Question. Everybody say question. If you have found a church, one that you say, without a doubt, God has led me here, and only he can lead me out. If this is true, and if that church is a, quote, real church. You say, what is a real church? Well, a real church is like the church in the book of Acts. A place where a lost person could go and find salvation. Find Jesus. A place where a believer could go and be empowered and grow in the things of God. I believe that's what we see in the book of Acts. Uh, not only that, a church where people learn to grow together and love one another. Amen? And not only that, it's a place where when we come together with our gifts, our anointings, and our portions, because we're giving these things by measure, when we bring our measures together, we have a measure of Christ in us or in our church that cannot be defeated. Cannot be defeated. Not every place with a cross on top of its roof is a church. I ought to get a better amen than that. But this is a church. I said this is a church. You get it here. So if you found a church, if this is true, and if the church is a real church, a church in doctrine, purpose, and application, a place where you are protected and promoted in the kingdom. Every church should be a place where people are promoted. Amen? Celebrated. Glory to God. I told my church one time, I mean, I celebrate people and bless people. And I said, you know, you're the love of my life. You're the people I do life with. Amen. And I've got people that come to me and say, do you want me to leave? I'm thinking to myself, you've not heard a word I've preached or taught. You've received none of the love I've given you. You have no idea what you're doing. You're sitting here in an offensive position and you're asking me if I want you to leave this church. We're in a, we're in a strange time. The kingdom. It is a, it is a, it is a place and a government. Now, I, I, I love the, the family. The church is a family, but it's so much more than the family. The church is the government of God. You know, there, there are so many, Psalms 23, uh, uh, Psalms 92, Joshua chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, four scripture references that speak of people gathered together. In Joshua, the Bible says this of them, they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. After that, what did they do? They took the whole nation. And what was in the land? Giants and all kinds of obstacles. Why? Because giants, where do giants live? Does anybody know? Anywhere they want to. So they're going to pick the best. You know, giants would probably pick a land that flowed with milk and honey. And could you imagine all of the pain and the offense? 40 years of everybody dying in the wilderness to another generation raised up that didn't partake of that iniquity. Amen? And they abode in the camp. The Bible says those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall be fat and flourishing even in old age. Wow. Let me get it over here. I can see it good. It says, it is a place and a government that you totally submit to. A church that is your life, 
Then there are two things you must consider. If this is you, I found a church, this is God, He led me here, only He can lead me out. It's a real church. People, they get people saved and healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. Believers grow. People find their destiny. Amen? You with me? If this is where God, this is where God is going to grow me. First thing you must do, you must rid yourself of the convenience of comfort, the convenience and comfort of opinion and attitude. Amen? You must rid yourself of opinion and attitude. You say, why? Because it's your opinion and your attitude that will separate you from your brothers and sisters. We submit one to another. I believe in submitting to pastoral authority, to apostolic. Listen, church, you know, you see me up here, you that knew me back in the day, you always knew I had a pastor. I served that pastor faithfully, helped him build his ministry. Today, I ain't a lone wolf. I have an umbrella of men over me. Some of, some of, the, some of the most pro prolific, effective ministries on the earth I sit under. Men like Paul Chase, almost 600 churches. Men like Christopher Alam, great, great. And I expose myself to them. I share my heart. I allow them to speak into me. You say, why? Because I'm an I'm a, I'm a under-shepherd, amen, and I have to feed and minister to the sheep. Ministers go up for refreshing and give out to the people so they'll be refreshed. Amen? So I sit under authority. It helps me understand authority. It protects me. And man, don't think they ain't never chewed on me. Go get under Sam Carr. I hunt with him. We hang out. We're good friends. But I'm going to tell you what. Sam has said some things to me. And I thought, I'll punch you in the face. And I've held my tongue and prayed about it. And what he said was right. And what he said was anointed. And I accepted it into my life. And I've watched minister after minister. I've been a friend of Pastor, uh, Pastor Sam Carson for over 30-something years. And I know minister after minister say to me, I don't like him on my worst day. He tried to correct me. Okay. Comfort, the convenience of comfort and opinion and attitude must be relinquished for this miracle to take place. Everything mentioned above has the potential to greatly offend you. You say, what do you mean? Everything I just said above about being in the right church, the right pastor, right anointing, right doctrine, everything, you got to realize there ain't no place to go from here. It's all back. Amen? Now notice, notice. Everything mentioned above has the potential to greatly offend you. How can you say that, Pastor? Well, let me tell you why. John the Baptist. King Saul. I'm naming offended people. King Saul. Samson. Pastor Osteen said he got up and preached on Thought he was preaching on Samson, called him Hercules the whole time. <laughs> Samson? How about the devil? The consummate offended person. So, 
so, so, so, so, so, so, so, so, so, so, so, so many people are offended. Just think if we could somehow reach into the atmosphere and pull a fence out of Dundalk, Ireland, how many people would be in church on Sunday morning? So, 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 so many people have been offended for so, 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 so long they think it's normal. They've accepted it as normal. I did a series over the years, and I did a deep dive into the, I thought I did, but I did one the other day. I wanted to know because I, 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 see, I see the devil raising up his head and trying to separate ministries from one another, trying to separate church members from one another. And I have thought, especially in the last three months, to keep this unity. Not only in everything that's going on, but in every area. To keep this unity. You say, why? Because the devil's fighting overtime to separate us. Because if we're together, he cannot stop us. The spirit of, the, of unity and the bond of peace in a church is a, the greatest threat to the devil in a city or a nation. So, we know, just a little Bible school lesson here. We know the, the, the Old Testament... Originally, the writings of the Old Testament were written in, in Hebrew, the Hebrew language, the language of the Jewish people. And we know also that the, the New Testament, the, the copy uh, or canon of Scripture we have called the New Testament comes from what's called the classical, not the linear, but the classical Greek, which was also translated from Latin. Amen? But I know people who are Hebrew scholars, Latin scholars, and Greek scholars, and they pretty much agree that the King James Bible is about as close as you can get. Now, Amplified, other translations. Always remember when you're studying the Bible, make sure you understand the difference between a translation and a paraphrase. Amen. Translation comes from original text in which a man has gone into those original texts that the King James came out of and given his own perspective on it. A translator will go into it and actually turn it into a language. Amen. Now, this word offense, now it shows up both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It shows up in both places. Now, if we study it in the Greek, in the Greek, let me find it here. There's two words in the Greek, and they both start with a S-K-A-N, and it's S-K-A-N-D-A-L-I-O, scandalizeo, and then there's scandalion. And we, we get an English word out of it called scandal. A scandal. Now, to break it down in definition, it means to entrap, it means to trip up, it means to entice or to tempt as pertaining to sin. And you know, this is what blew me away, Keith, is right in the middle of that Greek, I was studying a Greek uh, uh, parallel Bible, Greek parallel Bible, and it, it, it said this, right in the middle. I mean, there's a, there's a comma, a dash, a word, then a, then a dash, and a comma. You know what it is? You know what the word is? Apostasy. It's the word apostasy. That offense is apostasy. And what does it say in Thessalonians? That in the last days there'd be a great offense. There'd be a great apostasy that many would leave the move of God. Many would leave the church. Many would get offended. Well, that's what's happened. We have to wake up. That's what's happened. And listen, there's been some strong believers, people I know that love God and they've gotten caught up because they didn't protect the move of God on the inside of them and they picked up either an offense themselves or they picked up someone else's offense. Now listen, 
This is why you must guard your heart. The Bible says that we should be sincere and without offense, being filled with the fruits of righteousness by Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. Now these three things, now I know there's others, but I've taken three things this morning for time's sake. Offended at the word. Offended at the way God does things. The third one is the worst. It's at people. We get offended. People are not our problem. They're our purpose. We love, we grow, we, 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 we do life together. Listen, then we fight and we make up. That's the church hasn't learned that yet. We're learning that at Island Church. We've had people come back to church just broken and humbled and I'm like, whoa, what happened to you? Well, they grew up. Realized they'd made a mistake. One couple particularly now I'm very excited about because they're going into ministry. I'm just thrilled to death over that. They were healed because we were praying. Apostasy, everybody say apostasy. Let's just believe God that every person in Dundalk, every person in Derry, and every person in Ireland that has been affected by this apostate spirit will be delivered and offense will leave this nation and a church will come together in unity. If we don't do that as a small group, how does that ever happen as a large? Amen? Let's see here. An opportunity, an occasion to fall. That which causes, I'm still in the Greek, the Greek, uh, that which causes to stumble or fall, still in the Greek definition. But I wrote down here, this is, this is, uh, this is blew me away. Offense, this is a definition in there. Offense is the sin you justify. You say, what do you mean by that? I don't like that. We're called to walk in love. I've had people come to me and say, I'm offended at so-and-so. I've had somebody, people say this to me in my office. I said, have you forgiven them? Well, yes. I said, then why are you talking to me about it? <laughs> well, I need to tell you what they did. I said, no, you don't. Yeah. I said, no, you don't. Well, well, it could hurt the church. I said, I don't care. A church ain't that fragile. Yeah. Amen. Church ain't that fragile. It's not my church anyway. It belongs to Jesus. It's really bad, he can take it up. You can take it up with him. Amen? But that's not true. If you carry an offense, it is a sin. No matter how you justify it. I had had someone come to me that someone had told a lie to them. And they just, they they couldn't get over it. And I said, it may not be that the lie told was so traumatic because it was just a stupid over nothing. But it may be that your reaction to it and unwillingness to forgive it has caused all of this drama. And they're like, amen? Listen, we're called to love one another. People will offend you. Now this this, this will freak you out. So you get saved, you get born again, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's all joy, flowers, and happiness. Then God sets you in a church. And in that church, God has made sure that every person that can rub you the wrong way also attends that church. And they will grate on you. Not only that, He'll bring other people from other countries that look strange to you and wear funny clothes. And you're kind of like... And you try to drum up some emotion to feel good about them. That doesn't work. 
Because love is just like faith when it comes to God. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's something you have to act on without emotion. Well, if I felt, I knew if God wanted me to forgive them, I'd feel it. No, 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 no. If you're in unforgiveness and offense, you're not getting in a communication from God. It's not that God is not speaking you. It's your heart has hardened. That's what it says in Hebrews. It says the deceitfulness of sin will harden you. So we've taken a term out of that when it comes to auditory and we call people that can't hear what? Hard of hearing. So God's screaming, but you can't hear it. Your hearing is hard. And there are people that will just rub you the wrong way. You'll never 100% agree with your pastors. You'll never find another perfect church. So you might as well get into this place and begin to work it and work it and work it and work it so you can become broken and contrite in heart and God can use you and work through you and you will not become offended in the last days and miss out what God is doing. Amen. So, how's my time? Well, I don't even know i got to do this, so let's do it real quick. 1 Corinthians 13. This is our love chapter. Must be read, must be met. I was here with a certain minister, very well known, and I'm not going to say who it was, but let me just say this. You guys get to see the finished product. You say, what do you mean? Well, the conference and everything that, you know, conferences I've been a part of, Hundreds, maybe thousands of them. But you don't see all the, the background to what it takes to produce a conference. Now you get, I think this conference has gone awesome this week. The speakers, everything is so good. But you get a bunch of prima donna, high rolling faith preachers. And you can have some friction. So this one guy, he's a friend of mine, he's a good friend of mine. You know, things were mixed up about the speaking schedule and his product didn't arrive and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, eh, you know. So we're walking down the street and we're just kind of cutting up and laughing. So finally we stopped and I said, are you okay? And he whips into his pocket. And he, pulls out a, he pulls out a, what they call it? Index card. Little, you know, those little cards you get. He pulls it out and he starts reading it to me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It never believes the bad thing. I mean, he just reads 1 Corinthians, starts out, puts it back in pocket, goes, I'm okay. <laughs> well, he was doing his best to walk in love in that situation, and he did. He, he brought wonderful ministry here, wonderful ministry here to, to Ireland. Now, in the kingdom of God, listen to me, this is for, your, for you as a church, pastors, pastors, church, listen to me. In the kingdom of God, there is a protocol. There is, a, there is a standard that God has placed in the church. There is authority and structure so the church will have purpose. Every person that comes into the church should have an equal opportunity as everybody else to find a destiny, to find a calling, to, to figure out what God's doing in their life. Amen? And the church should encapsulate the protocol of God in everything from the way we do services to the way we handle and treat one another. But something enters in very subtly Saw it happen in Ireland. That's why I left when I did. That's why I didn't leave. God took me out. Something very subtly happens. You say what? We go from protocol to politics. Let me say that again. 
We go from the protocol that we get from the Word of God. We go from the protocol that the Holy Ghost initiates to politics that we think we have to install and operate. Amen. Because we're trying to relate to the church like any other social organization. But this is not a social organization. This is a spiritual experience. And church, let me show you. Every church that is, you want to tell you church has gone into politics. You ready? You ready? Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Assemblies of God, Foursquare, Presbyterian. Every denomination that is now an organized corporation has gone from the protocol of God to politics. Politics say we don't pray for the sick no more. Protocol says pray for the sick. Politics say we ain't praying for the sick. Somebody left the church because they got prayed for and didn't get healed. Come on, church. Protocol in the church is to say, preach so people will come under conviction. Tell them that that's a sin. Preach on sin. Don't be afraid. No, we can't do that. We don't hurt anybody. We don't hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want anybody to get offended at the church. Listen, this is the most offensive message on the planet. This is the most of Jesus, all he waded into when he came on this earth was solid offense in front of him. And he found his way to the cross. And he rejected the politics of Israel and the politics of Rome. And he went through the protocol of God and rose from the dead. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Let me read here in the, in the, in the Passion just for a minute. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle. Constantly kind to all. Refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Loves does not brag about its own achievements. It does not inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated. Boy, that's a good one. Nor is it quick to take offense. One scripture in the King James. Let me find it here. 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, I'll do that, Lord. <laughs> How many know what Limburger cheese is? That's pretty nasty. I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty good cheese fan. You know, I love cheese so much I named my daughter after it. Not really. I named her after a surfer. Amen. <laughs> Limburger cheese. I heard a story of a guy that liked Limburger cheese. He'd eat it at lunchtime. And he'd eat it in big old pieces. You know, he had a big old, one of those big old furry mustaches. And he didn't know, but a little chunk of that Limburger cheese got up, to, up under two, three, four hairs and up in that mustache. And so he'd finish the day and he's walking out of his office and he goes, and this office stinks. <laughs> he gets in his car, cranks it up and goes, and this car stinks. He goes home to his wife and family and goes, man, my wife stinks. My family stinks. He goes to church. Pastor stinks. Church stinks. Well, it may not be that everything stinks. It may be something you got caught in your mustache. <laughs> that you're pulling every other aroma of life into your life over that. So you can't see anything, smell anything to, other than the angle of that pain or that disappointment or that disillusionment in your life. In the Amplified, I'd have to have, I don't have my Amplified, but the Amplified, it talks about love not being, this is where I'm going to conclude, touchy, fretful, or resentful. So this covers us. You say, what do you mean? Touchy is in the present. 
We, Lee and I, have, we've not done many, but we've done a few marriage conferences. Speaking on marriage, talking about marriage. And many times when you do, there are people that have real issues in their marriage. And you'll start, you'll hit a subject here, a subject there, maybe something they're dealing with, and they'll just start crying. They're so touchy about it. They're so touchy about it. Now the reason they're touchy is because of the resentment of the past and the fear of a weakness being repeated in their life that caused the pain in the first place. So whatever that subject may be, anytime it's brought up, whoo! And that word touchy doesn't mean like, well, you just touch somebody and they feel you. It means it's like placing a finger on an irritation or a wound. Touchy. Ow, don't touch that. You say something about this or something about that, and somebody in the congregation, oh, I got a letter from a lady. Blew my mind. This is when we were young church. I didn't even know who it was. I didn't know who it was. The letter said, Dear Pastor Rusty, I'm leaving the church. And the reason I'm leaving the church is I'm tired of you telling everybody what I've been doing. I didn't even know who she was. Obviously it wasn't me telling her that. How many know what I'm talking about? When you get in service and God's talking right to you. It's like she thought I was, you know, listening to her cell phone conversations or something. No, 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 I was just teaching the word. It was bringing conviction, but because she was political, she couldn't get into the protocol. Amen. Not touchy. Why? I'm not resentful anymore. Resentment. What is it? It's li- I was preaching this very much in West Columbia. And I said, I said, you know, you're touchy. You knew you should have married Bubba instead of Billy Bob. And, and, and Pastor looked up and says, I'm Billy Bob. <laughs> that was his name, Billy Bob Hankins. But see, all of us have had things in our past that we resent. We need to be free from. You can't have your past have a hold on you. Listen, many of us, we trade or we hand in our offense and we trade it for disappointment where we get disappointed in people. There's no difference. That's a, that's a lie. That's not, that's not reality. Well, I, I'm really not offended at them. I'm just really disappointed. No, you're offended. Amen? So you're touchy because of what's gone on in the past. And so in the future, all you have in the future is what? Fret. What is fretfulness? It's looking toward the future with fear, with fear and and saying, I'm anticipating bad because what I'm touchy about has never been resolved in my past. So I'm resentful, touchy, and fretful. The Bible says love is never like that. Love covers it all. Love covers it all. When I went to Lakewood, that's when they coined the phrase Oasis of Love. Brother Osteen had, we had a church that sat 4,000, we had probably 6,000 coming. He got up one Wednesday night and said, don't ever call this office for counseling again. He said, I will counsel no man, no woman. He said, I'll counsel you, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you get married, maybe a bit, but, but all this other stuff, here's your problem. You've missed your counseling session on Sunday morning. You missed your counseling session on, on Sunday night. That's what we're doing Sunday night. You missed your counseling session on Wednesday. Now you want a special counseling session? When, you're not, when, you're not, when I'm in my office, in my gift, with my anointing, you won't receive from me, but you won't come to my office and receive from me. So he stopped all counseling. So some people we knew, they went in there, they're going to get married. I'm going to counsel my brother, Brother Osteen. 
So they go in there and they sit down. He stands up at, uh, at his desk and he goes like this. They're sitting there and he goes, he points to the man. He goes, lover, 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 lover. Points to the woman and goes, love him, love him, love him, love him. Then he says, bye. <laughs> Amen? What is it that you're touchy about? I know a lot that went on in the move of God that you say, well, what, what's happened? What's happened? Information of destruction is not necessary. Only inspiration, only information of restoration. Because we are taught in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If a brother or sister be found in a fault, that word fault is a very expansive word. When it covers offense, it covers just about anything that a brother or sister can fall into. This is what it says. You that are spiritual. And the problem is, We're kind of like dogs. You say, what do you mean? I heard this phrase when I first went into the ministry, and it was this. The army of God is the only army that shoots its wounded. I didn't understand that. I came back to the Lord in 1984, and in 1986 and 87, we had two major ministries fall and one of them fell and went to prison. And the whole body of Christ got offended. And they talked about the sin. And they talked about all of the, you know, the filth of it. And they exposed it. Well, the world was doing that. And the church followed suit. In the particular denomination of one of the men, divorce rate went, the divorce rate went from about 3% to over 35% in one denomination because they would not forgive the leaders that fell and restore them. And we suffered because of it. We suffered. Lee and I in our ministry, we were just getting going. They didn't want to have meetings back. People didn't want to have meetings like this. Everybody just kind of turned in on themselves. You have to get to the place in your life where you realize and recognize all of us are infected with something that is deadly. You say, what is that? Humanity. When you got saved, you departed from the human family and you are now part of God's family. The greatest false doctrines of the church is the universal, the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of men. You know, do you understand that? Don't get shocked by what I'm fixing to say. That God is the Father of all. That's not true. God is the Creator of all. But He's only the Father of those who have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. And those that have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior have left the human family. Well, this, if I was teaching on redemption, I'd have you all shouting. You say, why? Because everything that came to you in your human family, all the negative things, you say, well, I'm an alcoholic because Daddy was an alcoholic. I was this. No, no, you're not in that family no more. I said, you're not in that family no more. It's all been broken. It's all been destroyed. For this reason was the Son of God manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil. Those works that it's talking about is what is motivated by iniquity. Wow. It's been destroyed. We don't have to live in sin and iniquity. We're not part of that family. We're not part of the human family. We're part of God's family. And then the universal brotherhood. We're all brothers. The Irish, the English, 
the Russians, the Chinese, the Americans. We're all brothers. No, we're not. There's the human family, and there's God's family. And we have the compassion of God, and the mandate of God, and the assignment of God to go out there and make his family bigger. Because he doesn't like the human family who he created dying and going to hell. That's why he provided another family because it called his own family, the church, God's family, so that we can go to heaven and live in a little bit of heaven here on the earth. So, so I love it that, that John got up and exhorted us today and that brokenness that's upon him. You have to put an effort out to write yourself with God in such a way that it takes you to another level. All my life, I've had disciplined prayer life, disciplined Bible study, disciplined, disciplined. And, and you know, I found out that, that, that many times your faith can come, uh, can be transferred from the Word of God into what you're doing. Well, I pray this much and I read this much. Your faith has to be in the Word. Your faith has to be in the Word. So the Word could offend you. One of the most offensive words is teaching on tithing. One of the greatest tithers of the body of Christ. One of the greatest tithers of the body of Christ has renounced tithing. I like what my wife said, that he should give back everything that God's blessed him with because of that. Amen? The baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Oh my goodness. People freak out over that. You're not one of them tongue talkers. I was telling the story of my friend Danny. Danny was a, an Irishman down in Dublin. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, 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 he, he became a heroin addict here in Ireland. And I guess the, 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 the dope here wasn't as available. So he went to England to Piccadilly Circus because that's where all the junkies live and that's where you can get the good dope. And he was a junkie over there for years and got saved and delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost and called to preach. So I met him up in Dublin. Had a little church of about 25 people. And he'd always come to me in, in conferences. You know, it'd be hundreds or thousands of people. He said, oh, brother, you'd never come to my church. I said, yes, I would. He said, no, you'd never come. I said, yes. So finally I did. I went to his church. So we were, you know how you guys fellowship afterwards and we'd sit around and drink a tea. And he says, oh, he says, you know, God delivered me. Great deliverance in my life. He said, but you know what? He said, I come home and my sweet mother. She said to me, ah, Danny, it would be better if you'd be on the heroin than taken up with them tongue talkers. <laughs> Amen? When people first begin to get born again, when we begin to come over here, many of the people experience great rejection from their families. Why? Because God is the father of another family, not the human family. He's the creator of the human family. But the human family fell. Now he has a new family, and that's us. The communion ordinance as taught to us by the Apostle Paul in Corinthians chapter 11, speaks of judging yourself, lest you be judged of God. My greatest tool of life and ministry is not my prayer life, my study, but my ability to judge myself, which I have done very critically for the past 40 years almost. But this is what it does. Judging yourself. We've become so adept at judging the one on the right, the one on the left, the one in front, the one in back. But you can't judge. Because judgment, that's why the Bible says judge not. Over and over Jesus said judge not, judge not, judge not, lest ye be judged. So anybody that sins against you, anybody that, that, that does anything to you like that, you cannot judge them. 
You say, why? Because if you judge them, then you partake of it. It's like somebody saying, you know, I lied to you, so here, drink this big glass of lies. Amen? Or I did this or I did that. It it exacerbates it. Makes it worse. So don't judge. Forgive. Forgive. And listen, uh, the reason a lot of people don't experience the glory of forgiveness is they don't forgive. There's no one that has left my church in the past 22 years that could not come back right now. And I would graciously forgive them and welcome back. Just like the, just like the, 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 the father in the prodigal son. Welcome them back. Come on back. Amen? I've learned not to judge but to forgive. Now if you really do that, you won't remember it. It has to be brought back up. And the devil's, devil can do it. Uh, other people can do it. But, but you don't have to do it. It won't be brought back up in your mind because you have by faith forgiven and what? Forgotten. And it's when you forget. That's the supernatural part. Judge yourself. David said, Search me, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight and thy Redeemer. No, no, my God and my Redeemer. I can't do anything about you. You're the mess you are by yourself. Don't blame it on me because I'm the mess I am by myself. And really, in reality, the only pants you put on on in the morning is your own. The only shoes you walk in are your own. So really, the judgment of other people around you, what's going on, it's not even relative. What we must do is judge ourselves. And the first thing, I'm not going to go, I've got a teaching on that too, but the number one thing, here's what we're going to do. We must judge ourselves on our love walk. Because love, the agape of God, is not a feeling or an emotion. The agape of God is an action in which you act on the heart of your Father in behalf of Him to other people. I love you. I lo- How can you love people that do you bad, do you wrong, harm you? How can you love people? How can you do it? It's supernatural. It's not human love. Human love is give and take. Phileo, eros, all that, give and take, give and Agape is pure. Agape is without strings. Agape is the way God loves you unconditionally. Now listen to me. And agape is the way God forgave you. And you got to go get into Psalms 103 where it talks about how frail we are, how weak we are, but God knows our frame and He has taken sin, that iniquity, and removed it from us as far as the east is from the west which is a geographical phenomenon. You can go north, flip around the North Pole, and start going south, flip around the South Pole, start going north. Correct? Correct? You cannot go east until you start going west. You say, why? Because there's there's an infinity to that. There's an infinity to that. That means as far as there could be in eternity. I remove your sin from you. And then he says this, never to remember it against you again. Now that's his word, right? That's his word? You with me? So that's his truth. So does God know about your sin? Does he kind of keep it in the back? He knows. No, 
He knows nothing about your past. He knows nothing. That's why when you got born again, he did what? He remitted. He didn't forgive. You didn't get your sins forgiven when you got born again. Did you know that? No, they were remitted. That means not only were the sin forgiven, but the effect of sin was removed as far as the east is from the west. And then God puts this beautiful, beautiful doctrine of what? Forgiveness in his family. You've been wronged? Forgive. You wrong somebody? Get forgiven. Let forgiveness be what? Supernatural. Let it be complete. Let it be tied to our love. And let us come back together in the unity that we need to be. So that when I bring my portion, and Pastor Ryan and Pastor Kimberly bring their portion, Pastor Leah, Breland, when we bring our portions, our, 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 how can I say that, Lord? Our measure. For we all have it by measure. He had it without measure. But when we buy, when Josh and JD, when we bring our measures, we all pour them into the same cup. And then we have the measure of Christ. And that's when people get healed, set free, delivered. So if you will bow your heads, just for a moment. Hallelujah. And I want you to think about yourself for a little bit. Because it's easy to live in denial about things and blame others. But in reality, if we'll just judge ourselves and get things right, it makes it so much easier. So many times the Holy Ghost is referred to in the scriptures as oil. And we know the properties of oil. We experience it every day. They fuel our cars, lubricate. Oil keeps the friction from doing what friction is designed to do. Friction is designed to create heat. Heat can create fire, and fire, left unattended, will destroy. So judge yourself. You offended at anybody? Are you offended at the word? Maybe some demand the word is put upon you. You think, I can't do that. Or maybe God's working on your character right now. Is there people that you may have needed to forgive, but you've not done it yet? Or maybe someone you need to go to and ask for forgiveness that you've not done yet? And you think, sit around thinking, well, whenever they, you know, maybe they'll initiate it. Maybe they'll make a t step, step to me. They never will. If you know to do it, you have to do it. Let me say that again. If you know to get right with somebody, if you know to forgive somebody, or if you know to go seek forgiveness from, from somebody, that's God telling you to do it. That's God telling you to do it. Some of you may say, well, I, I've, I've really been wronged by someone and they're, they're dead and gone. That don't mean you can't forgive them. You can, re you can release that. You can let that go. And I know this is 2023. Lord have mercy. People have been abused. There's been bad families. People have come from negative situations in nations where there's been such trauma and pain and hurt. And God is wanting not just to heal our hearts, but make us whole. Make our hearts whole. Years ago, Pastor John Osteen told us a story. Said when he was in the Philippine Islands, he watched them catch a monkey. They caught the monkey to eat it. He said what they did is they, they had a little nut that grew on a tree around there that that monkey just loved. Those monkeys would eat those nuts and those trees all day long. So those, 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 those Philippine people down there, they would take a particular bottle and they'd drop one of those, those nuts down in that bottle and that monkey would reach his hand in there and grab that nut. 
But that bottle was so heavy, when somebody would come and approach him, he couldn't run, run off, but he wouldn't let go of that nut. If he let go of that nut, he wouldn't get eaten. If he let go of that nut, he wouldn't get captured. He wouldn't let go of that nut. Just hung on and hung on. And all you got to do is just, they'd just run up to him, hit him with a stick. Take him in, skin him. If they'd have just let go of that nut. Now, offense, pain, all that kind of stuff, uh, just being dis It could be like that nut in the bottle. And you're trying, to, you're trying to either run from the devil or walk with God, whatever you're trying to do. And there's this weight. And you're like, what's this weight? Well, it may be something you're not let go of yet. We dealt with so much depression, so, so much pain and hurt in this nation when we first came. But that's been lifted off of this nation. And this nation, when we came years ago, it was not under the favor of the spout where the glory comes. It is now. And God is moving. And it's worth it to protect personal revival, corporate revival, citywide revival, and revival in a nation. It's worth it. You say, well, we're believing God for revival in a nation. It's not that we don't have it. We have it in seed form. That's what I told Leah when I married her. I said, you're getting a rich, handsome preacher that's going to uh, treat you and uh, give you all the luxury. And I said, but the problem is, Leah, you're getting him in seed form. <laughs> Judge your heart right now. Take a moment. Ask the Lord to search you. See if there be any wicked way in me. And I'm not going to have anybody come stand up here. I don't want anybody uh, to, for, to have an occasion to think anything about anybody else. But while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, we ask people to bow their heads in reverence to the Lord and His presence in this building. And then we ask people to close their eyes so that they can respect people around them so they can make a private decision in a corporate setting. You say, Pastor Rusty, there is some things in me that I've been disillusioned, disappointed, and maybe even offended over. And I recognize and realize this morning that I don't need to carry that anymore. I'm like that, that monkey that put his hand in that, in, that, in, that, in that jar and I can't get that thing loose from me. Well, thank God you came to church this morning because that's going to come off of you this morning. But my, my request of you is for a response of a quick lifting and putting down of your hand. That's all you have to do. Just lift it up, put it down. Lift it up. Say, that's me, Pastor. I've got some things I've got to get rid of. I've got to let go of. Several have already raised their hand. Anyone else, if that's you, say, that's me. Just put your hand up, put it down real quick. Many hands, many hands. So everybody look this way and lift your hands. And I'm going to pray. Father, with all the faith you've put in me by your word, the office, is, the office that I walk in and the office that I'm walking into, the authority of those offices. The power of the name of Jesus. The power of the word of God. The power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. It's in this room right now. This very room is saturated with your word. And in your word, there is creative power and ability. I didn't even, I lost count of the hands, Lord. You saw every heart. You saw every person's willingness to let go of something so that they can pick something else up. So I take authority in the name of Jesus. In Island Church Dundalk and in Island Church Derry over offense, the spirit of offense, 
deception and the apostate spirit prevalent upon the earth now. We resist and declare defeated in these churches in this nation. Father, I join with everyone that lifted their hand that as they lifted that hand, something was loosed in them. They're able to forgive. They're able to seek forgiveness. And they're able to forget and walk on. That what they're touchy about is being healed. They'll no longer be resentful. And the future is bright and beautiful for them. Devil, get your hands off God's property. You have no business in the church. You have no business in the move of God in Ireland. We have declared and demonstrated your defeat for 35 years in this nation and we're not letting up. We're pressing in even more. You'll not steal the people. You'll not steal our health. You'll not steal our wealth. You'll not steal our joy. You'll not steal our peace. You'll not steal our family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Father, we ask you for the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. And Lord, as you spoke in my heart to pray this prayer, I'm going to pray it. And I fully expect to receive. I believe I receive. I pray over every offended heart in this city that sat under my ministry, that sat under the ministry of such wonderful pastors so close to my heart Pastors Hassan and Lucy Boyle who I love so much during that time during the beginning and the founding stages of Island Church or during any other time in the future I thank you, put a, thank you Lord that you put an awareness in us and that we become the people that restore. I pray that every person in this congregation in the next couple of weeks will run into somebody that they know, that they went to church with, that they worshiped God with, that they stood shoulder to shoulder with in corporate faith, that they were in conferences with us. But today, the devil has stolen their heart. We say in the name of Jesus, you let them go and we call them back into their church. Into their church. Into their church. We pray that over Dublin, Derry, Galway, Limerick, Athlone, Cork, Kilkenny, Killarney, all of these cities where your hand has moved and your power has been demonstrated. And the devil has tried to offend people. I thank you, Father, that this, in the next two weeks it'll begin. And all through the summer, one here, one there, a family here, a group there, will return to their place of safety. Their place in the camp. 
and I thank you that everyone in this house today will open their arms no matter what was in the past, no matter what happened, and put their arms around their brothers and sisters and welcome them into, back to the move of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. We will not repeat the mistakes of the past. We will not drink of the well of offense. We will not drink of the offense of others. But we will keep our hearts pure and holy and righteous before you. Let your peace that passes all understanding settle upon Island Church Dundalk like never before. And let the glory flowing up out of here let it resonate across this nation. Not to repeat the glory of yesterday, but to walk into and experience and drink of the glory of today and that which is coming. In Jesus' name we ask. And everyone says? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Again, let me thank you guys. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this was a good trip. Hallelujah. Glad we came. Glad you came. Take what God has said this week. Now, let me say this. I know that y'all have a, a, a solid media ministry here, and I'm sure all the messages and stuff will be up on your website. Don't just, don't just uh, excuse me if I linger a bit, but I am a teacher. Uh, uh, don't just uh, uh, listen to a message and say, well, that was good, and then you know, five, three or four weeks later, you think, I wonder what that was about. You know, uh, personally, when you meet people, you know, you... You, you shake your hand, you, hi, I'm Ryan Penn, hi, I'm Rusty Martin, we, we shake hands. So that happened years ago, and we were introduced. There was, there was an introduction. I was introduced to John Holloway, Other, others I was in. So, 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 that, so we could left into that. There's been a lot of people I introduced to, and that's all there is. Ever was to it. Ever was to it. But over the year, over, oh, I guess after I met him over the past uh, uh, couple of months, and then a few years that, that came after that, we started talking. Communication began. Went to the next level. And see, after the first initial, uh, uh, hi, I'm Ron Penn, hi, I'm Rusty Martin. After that first initial one, that introduction, communication began. Out of that communication came fellowship. Fellowship. And so I'll communicate with people from time to time. The next thing they know, they want a fellowship. So I say, well, come on, fellowship with me. Sure. Well, you got to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you got to sit in a wet rice field and shoot at ducks and stuff like that. But we fellowshiped. Amen. And out of fellowship came a relationship with Ryan and I. And out of that relationship has come a covenant. You say, what is that covenant? Well, it's not that we've cut some special covenant between ourselves. That's not it. It's that we've both stepped up under the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ and stepped into the protocol of the kingdom so that we may be to one another what we're supposed to be. You get that? See, the devil, he hates that. That's called unity. But see, now with the word, that's why people get offended at the word. When, you, when, you, when I teach you Mark eleven twenty three, 23, you're shaking hands with, whosoever shall shake this mountain, be that removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in the heart, but believe those things which they say shall come to pass. They'll have whatsoever they have. You're, you're introduced. Now what are you going to do? Why don't you go back and read it again? And next thing you know, you'll find yourself fellowshipping in the word, meditating on that scripture. Next thing you know, you'll have a relationship with that word. It'll be in your heart. And next thing you know, the reality of that covenant will manifest in your life. Why? Because you were introduced, went into fellowship, relationship, covenant. Well, that's a good marriage seminar. 
Keith and Sarah. Amen. Give your pastor a big hand clap. We love you. God bless you. Keep us in prayer. Hallelujah. I don't think I'm going to add anything on top of that. Hallelujah. What a powerful word. Hmm. Those have ears to hear. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say to his church. Amen. All right, let's close. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for words in season. Hmm. Lord, may your word be sown into our hearts. May it produce solid roots to where it can produce a harvest, Lord, fruit, Lord, that we can begin to feed the people around us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for it. We thank you, Lord, for the provision of your word as we always stand on Psalms 91. That there shall no evil befall us in this house. No evil befall us. Neither shall any plague come to our dwelling place. Lord, for you give your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. Lord, they, the angels that bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against a stone. We're protected in anything and everything that we're doing. Why? Because we're people that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We're abiding. We don't come in and out. We abide with you in everything that we do. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this next week as it comes, Lord, for the righteous labor of our hands. Lord, we thank you, Lord, we're protected protected. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we're a blessing to the places that we are employed at. They're blessed just because we show up. Lord, we ask those places to be our ministry opportunity to each and every one of us, Lord. Give us someone to speak to. Give us someone to lay hands on. Give us someone to, to reveal you to. Hmm. Lord, may we be an absolute terror, a problem for the adversary this week. May we be a miracle in somebody's life. Hmm. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the foundation that's laid, the things you're building on top of it, Lord, what you're doing. And each and every one of us and us corporately, Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for this church. We thank you for all these people, these, this family you've gathered together, Lord. It is an absolute privilege, it's an honor to be able to serve with them. We love them. We walk out here in faith and love towards you, loving one another. Thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ you've called each and every one of us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood. We're empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.